So uh, Matt Kenyon is our worship, um, our music director, and he will be um, leading us off here in the very first section um, of the content here this week, and he has the floor. Well, it's uh, great to be here. It's good to see you guys. I've had the pleasure of meeting um, most of you, I think, which is great, and I would love to meet all of you. So come say hi, and if I see you, I'll shake your hand as well. But uh, like Mike said, I'm the music director, um, and so I just want to talk for no more than five or six minutes kind of about our music ministry philosophy here at Orlando Grace Church. Um, you see on the sheet we have these five values, and uh, I've been, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm no seasoned expert. I've been on the job here for three months, and then before that I would lead as a, as a, as a volunteer on a volunteer basis, but... I've kind of battle tested some of these values and I may add one or two and I may, I may change the wording of one or two uh, to, to, to fit what I think might be a little more helpful. Um, but for the most part, these are going to stay the same. So let's just jump right into the first one here. So congregational. So I'm actually going to, I would, I would phrase this more as congregationally singable, kind of, kind of ch- combine one and three there <clears throat> because um, you know, there are, obviously there are tons of exhortations in the Psalms, in Ephesians, in Colossians to sing together. In fact, the only command that we have in the New Testament or the Old Testament, uh, in terms of Christians pertaining to music, something that God commands us to do is to sing together. Um, we're not commanded to listen to special music together. We're not commanded to listen to instrumental music together. None of those things are bad. In fact, we're going to be doing some special music here soon. Um, But our command is to sing together. And so naturally, the songs that I choose, the songs that we we, uh, perform, for lack of a better word, um, are going to be songs that we are confident that the congregation are approachable for the congregation. Hymns are great for this. Uh, hymns are are not only uh, so lyrically rich and time tested, but they were built specifically for this purpose. They were built specifically for congregational singing. They're metrical, so if you if you know the first verse, you know verses two through five. You know that sort of thing. So that's why we we value hymns here, as well as some of the new hymns that people sing, like Matt Boswell and the Gettys, things like that. Those are things. Those are songs that are specifically designed for. Uh, congregational singing, and so we value those as well. Um, so pretty much anything that gets in the way of this, uh, the congregation singing, we try to avoid. So we try to emphasize the primacy of congregational singing because we believe it's, uh, it's the explicit command of Scripture to do so. Uh, so the next quality is knowable. So uh, this kind of, I see this as, as two different Attributes. Uh, we obviously want the music to be approachable in the sense that we want to know, we want our people to know what they're singing and what it means. Um, and so every now and then I will have uh, moments uh, where I will speak certain um, clarifications about hymns um, throughout the, uh, th- in between the worship service, just so that we all know what we're singing, but also knowable. In another sense of, I want the congregation to know these songs, to be singing them with their children, to be uh, singing them throughout their days, which is why I've uh, put together a Spotify playlist. It's on the members, uh, Facebook members group, uh, or the OGC 
members thing, and I can I can get you anybody a, a a link to that if they want it. But I basically put together a Spotify playlist of all the songs that we'd ever sing here, and I, and I'm adding more as we go because I want people to be familiar with these songs, and that's why we also uh, spend time teaching the congregation songs, which. Um, this week we're going to be doing another uh, a confession song that we did last week, um, and then we're going to do it one more week after that so that everyone is on the same page. So that's the second value there. Uh, moving on down to the true value, um, I thought it might be a little a little more helpful to call it scriptural, just because sometimes uh, we can sing about true things that maybe aren't very scriptural. So obviously this is something that OGC, we're a reformed church. We don't have any problem with making sure our songs are scriptural. Um, we, we obviously want to worship the triune God as he's revealed in scripture. And we want to mirror that. And a great way to, to check ourselves is to study the Psalms and to meditate in the Psalms for me personally. And uh, because in the Psalms, you see this blend of praising God. You see prayers to God, um, which are sung in the Psalms. You say you see prayers about God, about his attributes, about what he's done, about the gospel um, in, our, in our context after the cross, about the gospel. And then you have Psalms about our experience uh, encountering God. You know, there, there are Psalms about that. And um, we obviously, uh, in the today's culture and uh, maybe in the Christian music context in general, there definitely is a, a massive leaning toward just like my subjective experience of God. And so while none of that, while that's not necessarily bad, we definitely want to balance uh, prayers to God, uh, prayers about God or praises to, uh, about God and, and our experience of God. So that's kind of uh, the balance that we try to strike. How am I doing on time here? I don't want to go over. I could talk about this for a while. Okay, so uh, the next thing we want to talk about is... Um, is contextual. So contextual simply means we want the music to be appropriately um, altered uh, to fit the culture, the culture of our city, the culture of our church, without compromising the core attributes or the messages uh, the songs can hold. Now, when you're, when you're talking about contextualizing the gospel, it's a little different than contextualizing music. So for me, you know, when I ask myself, can I contextualize this? These, the questions I ask myself are things like, can I do this with our band? You know, like, can I do this with the volunteers that we have? You know, um, there are some songs by, you know, big Christian artists that it's just like, we just, we just don't have the, we don't have the, uh, the equipment or the tech. We, we just can't, we can't pull this off. So, um, will the congregation understand this? Will it be approachable? Again, emphasizing the primacy of congregational singing. Uh, is this cheesy or dated? You know, does this evoke a sense of 90s youth group? You know, do, you know, because obviously that's distracting and we don't, we don't necessarily want. And there's so many good songs out there. It's like, you, don't, you would never need to choose that song because there are just so many other good songs out there. Um, and then is this irreverent or distracting? So obviously... Um, you know, I love like 80s synth pop music, you know, and, you know, there's like been a resurgence of that kind of like ironically using 80s instruments and stuff like that. That probably has no place in worship. It's it's pretty irreverent and it's kind of like a guilty pleasure, but that probably wouldn't fit for worship. So stuff like that is, is what I'm always thinking about. And then I'm going to add two more qualities here. Uh, another one that I want to add is is um, clear and explicit. And And I was... This was kind of brought to my attention when I went to Nashville for the Sing Conference and Stuart Townend, the guy who wrote How Deep the Father's Love for Us and a bunch of other ones, did like a breakout session. 
And he basically said, you know, don't tell me just like God is wise, hallelujah, hallelujah, God is wise, and then move on to the next verse. He says, you know, be clear, be explicit about what it means for God to be wise. Take five verses and unpack it. Show me what it means uh, in relation to my life, how it's rooted and grounded in the gospel. Um, and so that was really, that was really um, sort of impactful for me, just uh, that, that our songs be clear meaning that we don't need to qualify them or like sort of read theology into them. We want to kind of avoid that. We're like, oh no, what he, what he really meant was this. You know, what he really meant was, uh, you know, that God, you know, wanted to do this. We, we want to make it so that the songs can sort of stand on their own and that an unbeliever who maybe isn't as educated uh, in theology or someone who's newer to theology can come in and, and, and can be presented with something accurate. So we want things to be to be clear. And, and don't get me wrong, songs that repeat or whatever are not necessarily bad. They're just, I have a 10 to 15 minute window to, you know, lead people in worship. And so I want to choose songs that are the most explicit representations of the gospel uh, as possible. And the last quality I'm going to add is I stole from Piper. It's called undistractingly excellent. Okay. I thought that was a really great way to, to put it. I used to think, you know, um, man, it was super unspiritual to have like auditions, or, or anything like that. I'd be like, man, your heart just has to love Jesus. Like, you just love the Lord, bro. Just grab a microphone. Let's do this, you know. And, um, you know, my wife loves the Lord, but I would be doing nobody any favors by putting her on stage. She gave me permission to say that, by the way. She actually encouraged me to say that, which is which is crazy. So, um, you know, when we, when we put people on stage that maybe are not skillful, I mean, God commands uh, the builders of the tabernacle in Exodus to, to be skillful craftsmen. You know, we talk about David and 1 Samuel skillfully playing the lyre. I mean, there's, an, there's, a, there's a sense in which this is important to God. Um, and so when we put people who are not equipped or are maybe not gifted on stage, we're not only doing them a disservice, um, but we're also, because they're not suited for that role, but we're, we're not really loving the congregation well, you know, because obviously it's going to be, it's going to be distracting. Um, and so the way I kind of see it is, you know, our, uh, your focus to God is kind of like a river, okay? And the river flows and, and distractions during the, the musical worship are like stones in the river, okay? You know, a missed chord here or whatever, you know, and you have to navigate your focus around those things. And it's just, obviously we can still praise God when there's, when there's less than perfect musicians. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously not a professional musician, but, um, you know, we can still praise God in that way. But my goal is to remove those stones as much as possible so that there's just no distraction and your praise and your focus can flow straight to God, like, like a river as much as possible. And that the band on stage can essentially be as invisible, um, as possible. So, uh, those are the qualities of, of, uh, those are sort of our, um, our core tenets, I guess, of, of music ministry. Um, if you, are, if anyone here is at all interested in being a part uh, in volunteering in the words, in the music ministry, whether you sing, whether you want to do AV stuff, whether you want to do uh, help help with slides or help with any sort of tech uh, stuff like that, feel free to come see me. Uh, there's an application process, and uh, we can talk more about that. But we obviously anybody who wants. To volunteer, if you like to have that gifting, we want to nurture that. So come see me. My email is also in the bulletin. It's just matt at orlandograce.org. So uh, do we have time for questions or should we move on? Okay, any questions at all? I can try to field them as best as possible. Yes? Brett. You have no idea how exceptional this is. Well, Jim came up with it. So I just, <laughs> I, I just kind of co-opted it. It came up before I was hired, so thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Right. 
Great. Amazingly awesome. Well, we're continually refining it and hopefully continually abiding by it. So, any other questions? Hey, Chuck. Um, uh, that, uh, the people I work, <laughs> that we're all sinners, including the people I work with, but it's good because it, uh, it kind of takes people off a pedestal and, uh, I don't know, just this sense that we're all just kind of bumbling through this and we all have blind spots and that's not very happy. Uh, let's see, let's come up with, a, let's come up with an encouraging one. Um, uh. No, all I got are like, are like, like another thing is like, I just is revealing my idols, like how much I care about what people think about me, stuff like that. So I'm sorry, man, I don't have anything like happy for you. But, <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, I mean, it's obviously one of the most rewarding things I can ever possibly do. So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it can be stressful. It can be, uh, there's a lot of planning involved, but at, at the end of a Sunday, it's like, yeah, this is, this is awesome. So this is, yeah. Uh, question I have is it, this church uh, is we've gone to several uh, over our years as Christians is really what really good at having the congregation sing with uh, fervor and mm-hmm. volume and uh, and it be, and it ended up being you know the big instrument so to speak yeah um, that's good my question is recognizing that we're a smaller church than some of the bigger churches is there a is there a response, <clears throat> is there a reaction that we're trying to not be somebody when I've heard fog and, and concert and all that stuff obviously the church doesn't want to go in the direction of being an entertaining concert mm-hmm. to entertain people and have the band be the big idea Yeah. but at the same time given technology, given the professionalism of, of music that is available from tracks to whatever, sure. is there a philosophy against that? Because you made a comment about as, as God gives us people that have technical abilities or others. I used to lead worship at a church that's big now, but it was small. And I always laugh and say it's true. I did it when you didn't have to be any good. Mm. <laughs> and I, I wasn't as skilled as you. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm sensitive to it. Sure. At the same time, I kind of didn't want to see all this improvement stuff. But at the same, but then I saw value in helping pull the congregation mm. into it if it's not overdone. So my, I don't know, that's rambling, but yeah. But are, are we responding, reacting, or are we going to embrace some kinds of things? Well, the like, day we have fought. Let, fo- let me just make a comment about the Old Testament verses that are in Chronicles sure. and Psalms and Samuel. There's a lot of encouragement. To you. They name off multiple instruments, clashing cymbals and, mm-hmm. and skilled instruments and all of this stuff that would kind of mitigate against having kind of no instruments but the, but the, the congregation. Yeah, so the day that we have fog machines and lasers is the day I'm probably going to put in my two weeks. So I don't think we're ever going to have... <laughs> I don't know that we're, we're... We're definitely... I don't think we're ever going to have fog machines and lasers, but we... No, but I mean, that's just been mentioned. Sure, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I don't take that seriously. Right, right. Um, there hasn't really been any sort of um, 
thought in my mind yet of, of any sort of response to a particular <laughs> philosophy of, of uh, I mean, obviously, um, we want, all I want is a group of musicians that are prepared, that have hearts that love the Lord, that are skilled, and, and I'm, um, you know, I'm good to have a drummer, you know, a good drummer would be great, I'm good to have a bassist, two guitarists, things like that, and have a full set of, of, of people, but I mean, I think as long as we're sticking with this with these values of like, we, we want to be congregational. We want the congregation, no matter what, to be the main instrument. And if we ever stray away from that, you know, I, I welcome, you know, Mike here is one of my best friends or, or Jim or whoever to, to come in and correct me and tell me, hey, we're, we're kind of getting away from, from these values. So I think um, right now it hasn't really, I haven't really thought about uh, avoiding becoming that yet, if that makes sense, because I don't know that we're there it's not even been a, an obstacle for me to think about, but I, um, I definitely think if we stick to these values, uh, we can mitigate some of the negative effects that come with that, that come with the distracting or maybe the production aspect of things. So I hope that was a sufficient answer. I, I had a question about um, one of the things uh, Joe and I have talked about uh, just for, for the new person coming to church who hasn't been to church before. Yeah. Um, like it, it's a really awkward experience because church isn't like is this a classroom setting is this a concert like mm. is there any thought put into that experience or like like how we address like reaching something that they can understand or anything there well um, one of the pieces of feedback that I got from somebody which I think was 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 good is, you know, he said this of, of just our liturgy in general, is that we use a lot of insider language. So, so sometimes we'll use theological terms and things like that that, um, that people don't necessarily understand, not even just unbelievers, but even maybe newer Christians, you know, wouldn't even understand certain terms. And so that was really helpful for me. I try to make it as approachable as possible um, without necessarily... I'm trying to strike that balance between being approachable for unbelievers but edifying for believers in terms of what we sing and how we sing. And of course, I try to I try to coach as much as possible, like saying things like "sing with us now" and and you know stand and, and that sort of thing. So I try to make it where even if it's a foreign experience for someone, I'm guiding them through that. But I, but I do, and it's especially helpful to have Jim. Jim is Jim is someone who always is thinking about like you know helping me understand how how an unbeliever might conceptualize this. So just having him on the team has been really helpful for me um, in the feedback that he gives. So um, it's definitely it's something that I've like got one eye toward, um, but I'm still sort of figuring out how to navigate that. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily have all the answers for that, but yeah, it's definitely something I'm conscious of or try to be. So thanks. Any more questions? Yeah. Hey. So using like music and singing in the service is a part of worship. What is the church's kind of thought of silence as being a part of worship? Well, uh, we often will have, um, that's, that's a great question. Um, I think um, silence certainly has its place, you know, and I think uh, reflective reflection has its place. And that's why every now and then we'll have, times where during our confession time so our liturgy you guys know you've seen the bulletin it, it jim kind of came in and he and he revamped it so that it sort of follows the arc the narrative arc of the gospel so we have a time of praise we have a time of um confession 
of adoration, supplication, gospel proclamation, and response. I believe those are all of them. So during the confession time, every now and then we will have times where we'll just say, let's just reflect silently on our, um, you know, on our, on our sin and uh, confess it corporately together to the Lord. And I definitely think that that has, that, that has its place. It's not explicitly commanded in scripture like singing together is, but I definitely think it can be a worshipful experience. And so I, I, do, I, I do incorporate that in the liturgy every so often. I think that's a so. great question. And, and to that end, um, I think that's one of the intentions behind that newer section, um, the time of reflection. It's um, kind of right after the sermon. Sometimes we give a little bit more direction, sometimes a little bit less, you know, depending on the kind of sermon content. But I think silence, in a way, is a form of rebellion against modern culture, right? You know, we have all these intrusions of, um, you know, whether they're, you know, digital notifications or actual audio. And so I, I do think that um, silence is extremely countercultural in ways that are good and helpful for us. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. So Jim also introduced the, the time of silent reflection, which is not, it's not completely silent because I'm usually strumming something instrumental on guitar. Um, but it's, it is a time where we're doing nothing intentionally and, and we're simply reflecting on the gospel that we've heard throughout the sermon and how we can apply it to our lives. So definitely think that it's that's, uh, good points on the rebellion too. I like that. It needs to be a blog post. It's a TGC post right there. <laughs> silence, as, silence as Rebellion by Mike Graham. I can see it. Any other questions? Well, it's great. Uh, great being here. Hope to meet every one of you. And, uh, yeah, come see me if you're interested in learning more or want to be part of the team. Cool. That's all I got. Thanks, guys. All right. Um, so... Um, I'll be walking us through the rest of our content here. Um, so obviously you've been here um, long enough to see, you know, a, a number of different sermons. You get a kind of a little bit of a sense of the kind of um, preaching style that we have. Obviously right now um, we're on a brief topical series. Um, that won't be the norm here. Um, normally we'll be walking through um, kind of whole books of the Bible. Um, but right now, obviously, we're in a series on our core values. Um, but basically, um, some books of the Bible will hit from a higher altitude, and there'll be, you know, we won't necessarily have um, as many sermons. You know, the ratio of, uh, of sermons per chapter and verse and those different kinds of things will vary a bit depending on um, where we're at in Scripture, um, what the genre of that Scripture is. You know, for example, if you're preaching through like um, narrative, first and second Samuel, first first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, you're probably or Genesis, you're going to probably fly your plane at a little bit higher altitude. Whereas um, in other areas, um, you know, you might you know preach shorter um, shorter lengths. Um, we do um, try to um, preach every part of Scripture in a calendar year. So um, we'll try to hit um, some part of the Gospels, um, a part of the historical books um, in the Old Testament, um, uh, you, know, various, you know, various different genres at different point, points kind of throughout the year so that, you know, in a given year, you're still seeing kind of the whole counsel of God's word. So we probably won't preach through like, there have been seasons here, where we, you know, where we spent multiple years in a particular book. Not that there's anything wrong with that, um, but I think 
um, sometimes it might be beneficial to have to be able to work through a book at that same pace but do do so in a way where you're still getting to see other parts of scripture from an expository standpoint um, within that calendar year um, does anybody have any questions um, about um, uh, preaching expository preaching and um, and that no okay um, giving um, it's pretty straightforward here um, there's two different ways that you can do that um, you can do that in person um, here um, as uh, during that response time um, after the uh, sermon or um, there's the uh, online uh, option and that's just a link on the very top right of our website and it's pretty self-explanatory on how to do that um, does anybody have any questions about giving it's pretty straightforward um, yeah, in terms of expectations, um, we would hope that that would be something that every member who's here would do. Um, we're not going to, um, you know, hold your hand or, um, you know, get in your business, so to speak, about that. That's between, that's between you and the Lord. Um, it is an act of worship, and so we would hope that, um, you know, Loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength means um, stewardship and the stewarding of your resources. And so we would hope that, that we would be um, uh, a place where you would give. Um, so, but that is, you know, primarily between um, you and the Lord. Um, uh, yeah. Um, is that where kind of where you were going with that, Chuck? Um, I think I think that the, the elders would say that that your um, your giving to the Lord is also is a reflection of where you are with Him spiritually because it is a worship, and so just like um, um, look, you're looking at your checkbook or looking at your your calendar mm-hmm. is uh, tells us where your priorities are sure. in life, right? And so, um, so I would just encourage folks that that although we don't have a minimum, maximum, and um, <coughs> probably the the position would be that this is where God has placed you, and so um, the emphasis on giving to the church is very important. Although we all recognize that everybody has missionaries or other outside groups that they give to, that we would consider that's to the Lord. We just don't want to forget that this is where the function of where God has ordained this this instrument, the church, to be its primary force. That's really good, really helpful. Um, I would also add just um, just different seasons, you know, in terms of the ebb and flow of stewardship and and you know. God entrusts different things to you know to different people. Um, we're not co-equal in terms of the resources that we have to manage, and so just want to be cognizant of that. And um, I don't want people, you know, like feed your family, you know, before you know you give here. Yeah, Rodney. I, I assume based on that that you're you're teaching free will giving as opposed to a tithe concept, tithing. Yeah, I mean it's yes. I mean, there's not like, yeah, the, the the tithe concept is, I mean, if you want to go to it, I mean, 
and you want to like draw inferences from like the Old Testament, you had two sets of 10% on an annual basis in the Old Testament, and then you had a tri triennial or triannual anyways every three year another 10 percent you know to that so it's like i don't know we, we've built all kinds of cultural things and and norms and standards and practices you know in church and so um it's you know it's our our perspective this is between is between you and the lord and it's a reflection of just you know as chuck said you know your time and money is reflective of the things that are like on your heart worship wise yeah there's a question over here no uh, I, I was just also asking about the tithe like just if like if you guys were going to preach that in front of the pulpit it would be good to have in the number of material but if that's not really what you're going no to... we're never going to preach a, a percentage or anything sure. like that um, so yeah if you want to talk about those things privately to say, you know, like, hey, what do you, you know, what do you do or how do you think about those things? I'm happy to do that, but I'm definitely not going to say anything, you know, from a public, you know, standpoint because I'm not interested in binding people's consciences or I don't necessarily think that the scripture is doing that. So. Mike, we also, uh, I think the scriptures say also that if God has truly blessed you in your stage of life, what people think is the tithe is ten percent, maybe too little. It's Correct. Really, what God has called on your heart is calling you to do. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and it's, I mean, stewardship is like, okay, we want to have kingdom ethics, right? And we want to care about the things that God values, right? And so, if there are things where, you know, the the kingdom is being, you know, pushed forward, like we want to, we want to be building for ourselves you know, treasures uh, that are in God's economy, right? And so um, why would we not avail our, avail ourselves of opportunities to make those kinds of investments? Whether those investments are here or elsewhere, um, you know, is between you and the Lord, but obviously he's placed you here. So I hope that that would be um, an investment and in that, um, uh, yeah, so... Um, okay, philosophy of programs. All right, so there's a there's a wide ranging perspective on um, in terms of like how church is done, of churches that are very program heavy versus um, ones that are very program light, and so recognizing that there is a spectrum, um, we aren't trying to be um, like um, a church that's you know ten, five, two thousand people that basically has a ministry for, you know, any any kind of permutation or combination of age or affinity group or those different kinds of things. I'm not, don't hear me, you know, poo-pooing that or saying that I don't necessarily wish those things existed, but that isn't what we are trying to do. There are some constraints that we have here that would prevent us from doing that even if we wanted to do that. Um, those would be things like mainly time and money. Um, and um, we aren't as interested in really kind of like segmenting our church into multiple different like mini church silos. And so uh, we do think that there's a lot of benefit that comes from kind of um, cross or intergenerational interaction as well as, you know, interaction that comes from people in you know, from different experiences, 
or stages of life and those different kinds of things. Again, I'm not, I'm not against the churches that, you know, that, that do those kinds of things, but that really isn't what we're trying to accomplish here. Um, obviously, there are some things that do end up getting segmented out, um, but when that, when those things, you know, things like youth and um, children and stuff like that, but um, we're doing those things primarily because we want to honor developmental differences of where you know kind of people are at, and so that's why we desire things like our community groups ideally um, to be cross or intergenerational and they are to some extent or another depending on um, kind of your group we also um, you know our programs are are limited by um, staff time and energy and so um, we are a bit staff light in terms of the number of staff that we have um, for the number of people here relative to the rest of evangelicalism. And so um, that is a real kind of limiting factor for us. And so um, just because it exists at the church down the road doesn't necessarily mean it's going to exist here. Now, um, our overarching philosophy is that um, is basically uh, Ephesians 4.12 to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's basically the passage that Jim you know, preached on here this past week, and this is what we're trying to do in, in every aspect of, you know, from sermons to community group to um, equipping hour, all of those different kinds of things are, are serving that purpose is to equip you guys to be sent into your respective um, spheres and responsibilities and to do that it isn't we don't view it as basically you know it's the job of basically the paid staff here to do all the ministry work so to speak and so all that being said there's two different kinds of quote-unquote ministries here those that are centrally planned and those that are organically created Centrally planned ministries are going to be official ministries and programs of the church that are, um, whose energy and execution are done primarily by staff. These are going to be things that regardless of the ebb and flow of people coming and going are still going to happen. Organic, organically created ministries are going to be unofficial ministries and programs that are initiated and are run organically by just people in the church body. And such that if, you know, somebody who started a particular thing, you know, God, you know, relocates them to another part of the country and nobody else kind of picks up that football, well, you know, that ministry isn't going to then just like we'll become a centrally planned ministry and we'll find the, the staff person who will, you know, pick up the ball. It'll just, it won't be a thing, okay? And so it's very important that you understand the difference between, you know, ministries here that are centrally, centrally planned and ones that are kind of organically created. Um, now, um, what happens a lot of times from my experience um, here is that someone will have an idea, and someone will come you know, to me or Jim or someone else on staff and say, hey, we should have a blank ministry here. And um, 
And usually what they mean in those instances, well-meaning as it were, is that, um, hey, you, Mike, I want you to create this program and I want you guys to do this from a central, you know, they want a centrally planned ministry, right, that's done here. What I'm telling you is that we have very little bandwidth and energy to do hardly anything else here that is centrally planned. That's just the reality that, that we have. We, you know, we in the office are, we are running about as hard as we can um, to just stay one or two steps ahead of the growth that we're having here and trying to, um, to grow well, where we still know, one, know you and where we're um, still trying to keep the equipping of the saints as the, as the primary mission that we're doing. And so what you will probably hear back from me is if it's a good idea, I'll say to you, that's a great idea. Like, would you prayerfully consider thinking about, you know, getting a team of people around you and see if they're interested in the same thing as well and maybe, you know, creating this thing? So there's that. Okay. Like, like maybe you could yeah. offer some examples of the central uh, ministries versus the organic ones. Yeah. So, um, so in the list here, you know, we have um, uh, the. Uh, uh, I think a, a great example would be the precepts Bible study, right? So there's a precept Bible study that happens here on Wednesday mornings. Um, it's run by Joyce Jacobs, um, and. Uh, it's not something that Jim or I are going to lead. It's primarily uh, ladies um, who are at that and one older gentleman. Um, it's a great study. Um, I've sat in on a session or two. Um, but if, you know, if Joyce isn't here anymore and nobody else kind of picks up that mantle, like, it's not like we're going to figure out, like, who's going to do this. Um, so that doesn't preclude Joyce from finding somebody else to to take that ball and, and run with it, but we just don't have the time or the energy to, um, to do that. And related to that, that core value of equipping the saints, like our job is to equip you guys to do the work of the ministry, not to do it for you. Does that make sense? So our role is to create um, just enough trellising, so to speak, for you guys to fill in all of that, you know, so that the, the equipping that we do for you has enough structure um, to be able to create the, um, the edifices and whatnot that the, that, that the growing vines will create. So um, I don't know if that's clear enough. If it's not, just come and talk to, to me or Jim and I can unpack any of those things further. And I need, need to keep plowing here. Um, so we have, um, we have four primary environments of where um, spiritual formation happens. And just like Jesus had the 500, the 72, the 12, and then um, his three closest disciples, we have four environments as well. And those four environments are um, corporate worship, um, equipping hour, which is Christian education, um, community group, and then... Um, informal groups that meet um, smaller than community group, usually same gender, um, for the purpose of uh, more intentional discipleship. 
So community groups um, are something that obviously I think most of you have heard a lot about um, here. We've um, done our big fall push for that. Um, many of you are connected to those. Um, that is an, a very important um, aspect of, of our church life. It's the primary place where you're going to be known well by other people and to know other people well. Um, and it's totally fine. You know, I think from a sociological standpoint, you know, there's going to be places where, where you know and are known at different levels. And it's okay that somebody doesn't know you on a Sunday morning, you know, at the same level as somebody in your community group or even in, you know, kind of a discipleship group or whatever. That's fine. Um, but we would hope that everybody here, um, you know, situation, you know, we understand certain situations where um, maybe there's a certain season, season of life or certain circumstance that makes those things difficult. But we would hope that that would be a, rather, a, a regular rhythm um, for all of us. And so um, that is one of the kind of member expectations. Um, uh, so, you know, we do expect that, that you as a member, that your normal, your normal pattern over the long run would be, be here on Sunday morning and be connected um, uh, to a community group. We are cognizant that we need more groups and we are actively um, working on that, and we're especially working on um, getting more groups that are um, friendly to, to those with, uh, with children, especially young children. Um, any questions on community groups before we continue? Uh, yes. I, I, is there uh, any kind of consideration for potentially uh, organic groups that either either they could be integrated into, like, is there any kind of process for getting an organic group to become an actual uh, church-sponsored group? And also, is there any kind of, like, uh, process for organic groups that might actually be teaching doctrine that might be iffy, or, like, is there any kind of prepared process of kind of confronting uh, an organic group that might not be teaching uh, everything the church uh, sponsors. Is your question more about community groups or the no, difference the between the you're talking about basically centrally planned ministries versus no, not the ones, you're talking organically yeah, created? Yes. Yeah. Basically, basically, how do you approach organic ministries that might be like either? I I, I kind of did two questions there. The first one is if someone who has had an organic ministry was like actually trying wanting it to become a centrally planned one. Like, if they, they wanted to try and integrate that, is, is there a process for that? And We're probably not going to take any organically created ministry and, and turn it into a centrally planned one. Makes sense. Um, but, uh, and then anybody yeah. who's going to, to, you know, who wants to do something, you know, organically, um, there's a level of vetting that takes place there. Mm -hmm. It's going to be different depending on what it is. Um, uh, <laughs> on some level, you know, I'm not necessarily interested in, in nannying or being the, you know, the theological police or whatever, you know, for everything that's going on here. Ain't nobody got time for that. Um, <laughs> but on another level, it's like that's why you know the people who you have, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that's why we're doing this here 
you know, w we get to know each other over time and you get to know, you know, who your people are and the things that you, you know, some people you want to entrust, you know, certain things to and other people, well, maybe a, a certain idea isn't, you know, the best fit for them right now, um, you know, in their, uh, where they're at in their walk with Jesus. All right, let me keep going to pastoral care because this is pretty important stuff. Um, so we have, um, we actually have five lay elders because um, uh, Will Powell just rolled back on after sabbatical. And we have two vocational elders. That's me and Jim. Um, and the rest of our, um, uh, the other five elders are lay elders. So basically, um, we divide up the congregation into, um, it's an awkward term, but basically called flock groups, um, where roughly each lay elder has about about 25 households to which um, they're kind of assigned. Um, different guys have different ways that they communicate with those particular groups. Primarily, though, that those divisions are there for you to take the initiative if there is something that you want to talk about, you want to process, you need prayer over. Um, the onus is primarily on you to communicate with them if there's something um, um, that you want to process or, or talk through or those different kinds of things. It is not, um, I do not want to set the expectation that, you know, your elders are going to personally disciple every single one of the, you know, it's just, there's just not enough, there's not enough time for that. And that's not the environment um, that we're kind of, I'm expecting that this is more care, um, which is more defensive oriented than um, like discipleship or spiritual formation, which is more offense kind of oriented. Um, so if you do become a member, you will have um, an elder assignment. They'll contact you within um, like 30 days of that. Um, their role is primarily to pray consistently for you and to be there for you um, in the event of any care or any crisis um it would it wouldn't be abnormal if you know if you were in the hospital you had a surgery you had a baby you know for them to just come and come and visit you um in that um different guys are wired differently among our elders and so i don't want to paint a picture that like oh like every guy is going to be exactly the same there's differences just like we're all different um in terms of what that looks like um involvement all right um, serving is a gift. It takes somewhere between 50 to 65 people every single Sunday and increasingly more um, for us to just do this. Okay? Um, so that means in a church of our size, we're all going to do something. Right? And I know there's different seasons and you know, different ones of us have different bandwidth, but this is this is why we do the the, um, the spiritual spiritual gifts inventory. It's part of why we do the new member interviews to get to know, uh, get to know you guys better, um, and then we kind of take those things um, that we kind of glean from that and just make some suggestions of like some areas for involvement. We spend a lot of time and energy in kind of thinking through, like literally down to the person of like, man, 
what would be like the one you know one or two areas that would be like the best fit for for this person or for this household um do we always get that right no is there room to you know adjust those things over time absolutely um so but our desire is you know we're not an organization that you're just gonna you know come and receive and receive and receive we're not doing church as a consumer good a religious consumer good and service um we're here because jesus gives us joy when we use our our time our talent and our treasure um to one another so to speak in the body of christ and so um you know does that mean if you know there's some you know challenging circumstance or some hard providence or some you know sickness or other season of life that you'd be in a place where you know you just you're just here absolutely that's fine that happens you know that happens all the time all you have to do is just have a conversation you know, just have a conversation with whatever whatever area where you're you know you're serving and um but i really just want to paint a a picture and a vision for us is that you know serving is is it's a spiritual act of worship and god gives us joy when we do that it's not i have to do this it's i get to do this and god gives us you know he gives us joy and he gives us um i believe you know rewards in his kingdom for the things that we do and when we think about you know i want you to think about the beatitudes and the economy of the kingdom the things that we value here <laughs> and the things that are that are valued in the kingdom are often quite different you know and so i want you to think about you know the last shall be first and the first shall be last i don't really know what that means but i think it's upside down from some of the values that we have here in our culture and so um i i want to add you know to your you know to the to the ways in which you're accruing um uh, benefit for yourself in, in the kingdom of god's economy um on this third page here this would be primarily what we get to in week five um which is next week where we'll get to get a, you'll get a chance to hear from many different voices and these are all the various heads of different um uh, ministry areas some of these ministry areas are more or less all set right now and other areas are desperately in need of volu- more volunteers and so that's one of the things that we as staff when we're kind of going through um, your various new member applications and processing you know all of the interactions that we've had together your um, spiritual gifts inventory we're just trying to figure out the the best balance of you know more or less who you are and who god's made you and what the various needs are um, in terms of the organization and so these are some of the groups that you'll get a chance to hear um, representatives for obviously i'm not going to make matt come back again um, next week for music but most of these um, other areas you'll be able to hear um yes Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think 
I'll reserve that question and maybe you can ask that for Skylar um, here this next week. I don't want to speak over him or, or kind of put words in his mouth um, for that. But would you make sure to ask him that question? Because I think it's a, it's a good question. Um, he'll probably answer it better or more thoroughly and accurately than what the one I would. Um, lastly, the final page. I'm just going to leave this to primarily be read only. But basically, if you have 300 fo- plus folks and that's it's a massive database okay of you know all of your addresses your phone numbers your emails um all your kids your birth dates their birth dates um all the stuff that we need um for being able to send out you know your annual you know giving stuff for the irs purposes and all those different kinds of things so we have a we have database software it's from a company called Church Community Builder, and we have branded that thing Gracelink. Gracelink primarily exists for us as an internal organization, for us to help manage the wide variety of you know, data that we have so that we can communicate to you efficiently and effectively. There's only really um, four things that you'll need to know how to do with respect to Gracelink. One is how to log in. Two, how to look at the church calendar, which is also on our website. Three, how to respond to a volunteer request email. And four, how to look up another um, another person's contact information. Our church office is not 411. Do not call us to look up the phone number or the email address of somebody else. We, we do not have time for that. This is why the database exists, okay? You can get on, you know, your phone, computer, whatever, and you can do that. Um, so um, if you don't have a login yet, and most of you will not, the information on how to do that is there. Um, how to check the church calendar is there. Um, literally, um, if you have a, uh, an email to respond to a volunteer request, there's a green button that's in the email All you have to do is hit that button, and if you've already saved your login information on your computer, just hit login, and that's done. And looking up another member's contact information, you just click on the people icon, and you start typing a name, and it'll be there. It's, it really is like falling off a log. Um, But if you have any problems with Gracelink, um, uh, just let myself, mike at orlandograce.org, or Sunday, um, office at orlandograce.org. Um, this is not like Facebook or anything. All the information that's here is, is just confined to our organization. Do not go in and change your settings to private this or you know whatever that. There will be mission critical communications that will that will come from here from the office. That if you change those settings, you will you will be out of out of the loop and you will miss those. So do not change those settings. If there are any situations that are very specific, um, uh, you know, particularly related to you know anything that's been challenging or anything that's been traumatic in your story, um, and that would make make you want to do those things, just come and talk to me and. We'll, you know, have a private conversation. We'll sort those things out, and I promise to do that in a way that's sensitive to, you know, any any reason why um, you might want to do that. Um, we're over on time, so I'm going to close this in prayer. Um, that will be it um, here for uh, this session.